Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning. I'm Robin Colbert, and this is Madison Forum. Well, today, it's one of those where are they now episodes. Um, the they we're going to be talking with, a former Madison TV anchor and congressman, Mr. Scott Klug. Scott, thanks. So, can I call you Scott, or do you prefer congressman or Mr. Klug? I, I'd prefer your exalted one would be best. <laughs> yeah. so. No, Scott, please. In fact, Scott I, uh, is short for your exalted. One. <laughs> yeah, they, um, you know, when you're in Congress, you're always the official title is the honorable. So yes. if you're writing a letter that, you know, Tammy Baldwin, the honorable Senator Tammy Baldwin, was, but when I left office, somebody gave me note cards, which people only in politics appreciate, which say Scott Klugin on the top and below it says formerly honorable. So that sort of sums it all up. <laughs> well, um, at least you get a former honorable because in this day and age, I don't know if any of them can can claim fame to being honorable as far as uh, the circus uh, that has become of uh, politics, which is part of the reason why you're in with me this morning. But uh, let's just uh, take a look back for some of our listeners who are thinking, oh, Scott Klug, yeah, I know that name. Now, why do I know that name? Uh, you were born actually in Milwaukee, right? Yeah, I was. And I, uh, my wife is from Wausau, which is part of the story of how I got to Madison, that um, I got out of school and worked in TV briefly in Wausau, where we met. Then I worked in Seattle. Then I worked in Washington, D.C. And then we decided to get back this way to get kids closer to sure. grandparents, a familiar story. And I actually decided to come back. <laughs> You'll appreciate this. So to go to business school, because I figured the only people who made sense mm -hmm. in radio and TV were the people who owned the stations, not the people who worked for them. So when I was working at Channel 27, I was going to business school. And then along the way, literally plied with pizza and beer. Somebody talked me into running for Congress. And um, it all came together. And I beat Bob Kastenmeier, who'd been in for 32 years. And this is a familiar theme that I can't hold a job. So uh, when I was in, when I ran for Congress, I said um, I was a term limit guy and I was going to stick by a pledge. So I said no more than 12 years. And I actually ended up only serving eight because I quit um, philosophically because I don't think it's meant to be a career. It's a window of public service. And in addition, I quit when my oldest of the three boys was going to be a freshman in high school. He really didn't need that spotlight when no. when I was there. So it was uh, it was a wonderful window of public service. It opened lots of doors, met lots of great people, but eight years of it was plenty for me. Yeah, because I don't recall um, uh, you ever toying with a run for any other office, unless I missed it. I mean, you know, we hear popular names, of course, being uh, a lot of people might be surprised that uh, Scott, a Republican, uh, beating uh, uh, Bob Kastenmeier, longtime Democrat, of course, uh, now the second congressional, that was Tammy Baldwin, Mark Pocan, you don't get more <laughs> left. Of, how did a Republican win that? Well, back in the day, there used to actually be moderates, right? Well, there was. And, and if you looked a long time ago, you, it was hard to find a Republican in Madison. But in the flip side, you couldn't find a Democrat in the outlining areas, right? In, in Monroe and Greene County and in Baraboo and Sauk County and all those places were 65, 70 percent Republican territory. The thing I think we saw that changed was that there were more people in Dane County outside the 
city than inside the city. So I'd never win the city, but if you could win Wanakee, mm-hmm. Sun Prairie, DeForest, and all of those. I think over time, Madison's gotten more intensely Democratic than it was, which has actually rippled down to the counties and the outlying suburbs. Um, but the other thing that happened at some point, I wasn't privy to this, Tammy Baldwin and Paul Ryan sat down and said, I really don't want this and uh, you really don't want that. And so it made both of those districts were probably 51 or 52 percent districts for the uh, incumbent. But after that swap, Paul's district became 56, 57. Tammy's was 56, 57. And now with the trend in Madison, Mark Pocan's base is probably 60 or 62 percent. So it's become much more Democratic. But Wisconsin actually has a long history of districts moving around, you know, so if you look, Ron Kind, who was the Republican, excuse me, the Democratic congressman along the Mississippi for years, just retired. Mm -hmm. Now it's a Republican. Ryan Stiles district, Paul Ryan's seat way back when used to be Les Aspen's seat, which was Democratic. Oh, yeah. Wow. That is a a walk down memory lane. Yeah. So stuff really does keep sort of shifting around. And so the, you know, the question gets to be, could I get elected in Madison today? Probably not. But one of the issues we're working on in the fifth episode of Lost in the Middle podcast, we'll talk about in the middle, is realignment in the country. So if you look today, George Bush Sr. could not get elected in Maine. And in Bill Clinton's hometown, Donald Trump won by 72 percent. Hope, Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. So realignment and shifting politics is pretty true in American politics. You tend to sort of take a snapshot in time and say, this is how it is. And the truth is, in a lot of cases, it hasn't been that win before and it won't be the same going forward. Now, after um, you left Congress, so that would have been in 98 that you left. Uh, did you go right away? You're currently with uh, Foldley and, and Lardner uh, Law Firm here in, they're based in Madison, correct? No, they're actually based in Milwaukee. And it's, oh, they it, are? Okay. And it's a large, actually, international firm at this point. Oh, so geez. Foley and Lardner was founded. This is a great story. In uh, 1844, four years before Wisconsin was the state, as we like to say, by two lawyers, And then they ran against each other for the U.S. Congress when it became a territory. (laughs) And then they got back together afterwards. So Foley today is actually now uh, in 26 cities. So we have offices in Tokyo and Brussels and Mexico City and... Uh, you know, New York, Boston, Washington, all around the place. So it's, uh, I think we're now at 1,400 lawyers. So it's really There's big. a joke there. Some, there's yeah. a lot of jokes yeah. there somewhere. Well, but. the story is there are no jokes about lawyers. They're all true stories. It's <laughs> a good one. I didn't realize, I, I knew it was a big firm. I didn't realize it was as huge as, as it is. Um, but yeah, after Congress, did you go right to Foley or what did you I do? I didn't actually. Um, the one thing I always wanted to do, back to my story about made sense to own the media rather than work for it, is that I uh, bought what was then Wisconsin Trails Magazine with some oh, people. Yeah. And we started a small regional publishing company and then added a business magazine and added a home magazine and did a lot of other stuff. And then I figured out, this would have been in... in um, Uh, 1998 when I left, by about 2001 or 2002, that strange little thing called the media was starting to to really catch. And you know where you saw it, Robin, which is interesting, because we we sold regional books. So we do 52 things to do with the kids in Wisconsin and 52 things to do with the kids in Indiana and Iowa and Minnesota Mm -hmm. and Michigan. Um, And suddenly local bookstores disappeared. And so you used to have Robin's Book Nook in Manaqua who'd buy our books. And mm-hmm. suddenly all we were dealing with was Borders and Barnes & Noble. 
Um, and so we could, we sort of got a feeling that things were really changing in the industry. So we um, ended up selling uh, the business in 2007 with a big chunk of it going to the Milwaukee Journal. And then other pieces going to a guy who was based in Appleton, who was buying regional book publishing companies and everything. And it was a great run. And thank God we were smart enough to see it coming because, yeah. you know, regional, it, regional magazines don't even exist today. And nobody really buys regional books. Yeah, I know it. And uh, boy, I do. That's the that takes me back. Wisconsin Trails. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you also uh, wrote a mystery. <laughs> well, among the things I've done the way I've, has uh, I've learned how hard it is to sell uh, fiction books on the internet. <laughs> the writing was fun. The marketing was a nightmare. And the, and the honest the honest answer is, it's really the only option that's out there. So if today you decide to write a book and want to sell it as fiction, mm -hmm. if you're lucky enough to get published, you're probably going to get a three thousand dollar advance against twenty thousand hard copy sales. So as we talked about the book industry, I meant how many mm -hmm. people go to the bookstore anymore? You're just buying stuff on Amazon or buying it on, on uh, iTunes. Um, so uh, it was fun. It was a, it's a long, twisted story. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I was a comparative religion minor when I was in college. And so somebody described it as Indiana Jones meets um, – the Da Vinci Code. And, huh, okay. Yeah. So it was fun. I had a great time doing it, but it, boy, it's a brutal business. You got to spend I, your whole life promoting books twenty four hours a day. So yeah, the whole yeah, the marketing, the the writing that would also be frustrating though, because whether it just be I haven't even thought of writing a book, but just writing day to day the blocks and all oh. that, and just but once you got the story come together, I I would think it would be rather fascinating and fun and interesting. It was fun, yeah, and I'm I'm blessed that I'm a fairly fast writer, so that that part of it wasn't hard. But, um, you know, everybody writes the first great novel, which is going to be the Academy Award winner. Mm. And I, I learned quickly that it was never a great seller. And the movie people somehow strangely never called. You never know. Sometimes <laughs> no, they, they I, might no, take I, You no, know. I know. You know. <laughs> That gets us to. So right now, uh, your latest venture, and actually it's not like right now, this has been going on a year now you've been doing this or what, eight months or so? Well, in progress for eight months. So this really started um, during the first Kevin McCarthy fiasco. Mm -hmm. And I got grabbed by people literally in the cereal aisle of a grocery store, in line in a movie theater, uh, at a coffee shop with people going, what's going on? You know, the Democrats are running around the country trying to take the natural gas stove out of my kitchen. And the Republicans are running around the country trying to take middle school books out. I mean, I, I didn't sign up for these guys. If you look, Robin, about 44 percent of the American public self-describes as centrist. And you can argue with eight political scientists about how big that audience is and what it means. <laughs> But there was a study done by the Brookings Institute where they asked 2,000 people, do you want a party that's to the left of the Democrats, to the right of the Republicans, leave things alone or split the middle? And the answer was 10% further left, 10% further right, and 44% said split the difference in the middle. And, and that's where I am. I mean, I'm a Republican and have always been, but I'm from the libertarian moderate wing of the Republican Party, and I sort of don't get what's going on. And friends of mine who have been longstanding Democrats feel the same way. You know, one of the fastest growing trends, for, for example, is that in the state of Nevada in September, independents became the largest registered bloc. 
So people are starting to, it's sort of starting to wobble out there. And what we wanted to find out is how people think about this. And really the most important part of all of these stories we do on our webcast, you can find at www.lossmiddle.com, are the stories of people who are trying to change things. Because folks are just looking for some little promises of green shoots that this is going to turn around. It is tempting to throw your hands up uh, and just be done with it all and try to divorce yourself from any sort of uh, politics. Uh, I can't in, in my job, uh, but just, you know, your average. Uh, I, I don't blame people when I when I hear them saying I'm, I'm not paying attention anymore or they talk about. But then it gets kind of uh, concerning when they I'm not even going to vote. Well, geez. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. So uh, this is uh, there are 14 parts in this series and it's storytelling. So people don't think this is a political talk show. We're not going to spend an hour on the earned income tax credit and whether it's valuable or not. Oh, gee, it, I think we need another one of those. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So instead, what this is, is think of a 60 minutes or a 2020 story. They're 35 minutes long. So the second episode was based on political civility. And so we sort of bought into this idea that America needs a big timeout and we're going to find a mom who's going to do it. So meet Tammy Pfeiffer. She's got five kids, three grandchildren, was a special ed teacher for 20 years, served on the city council in Logan, Utah. Um, served as the governor's secretary of education to make it even more idealistic. She and her husband sang in the Mormon Tabernacle Choir for 20 years. She's got uh, five kids, always involved in politics and in birth order. She's got a Republican, an independent, a Democratic Socialist, a Socialist, and a Libertarian. And the kids grew up sticking signs in the lawn, and they always used to like to argue about politics until two Thanksgivings ago where the whole family hemorrhaged. And people literally stormed out the door, mad at each other over face masks and lockouts and all that sort of stuff. So she was just heartbroken by this. In fact, they didn't have a Thanksgiving dinner as a family a year ago. So she got involved in a national group called Unite, And they tried to develop a civility index. The idea was you take a look at candidates and you score them on whether they could be civil or not. So she works with researchers at Utah State. They focus group it. They've got social psychologists involved. They've got college students scoring people's speeches, everything else in the world. She's all excited, gets up one morning, boom, loads it on Facebook. 36 hours later, she had to take it down because nobody was civil. They started to argue and call each other names. And she's like, no, 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 no. This is what we signed up for. And so if you look at that, she actually continues our fight. Now I'm going to take you across the water where things are almost as bad because in the U.K., in the last four years, two members of parliament have been killed by constituents in fights over issues. And 55 percent of the American public think we're going to have political violence in this country. So let me tell you a great story, because the guy who won the first British Civility Award is the guy who led the fight to Brexit. And Brexit was an even more passionate issue in the Great Britain than abortion is in the U.S. So you can tell oh, what wow. Trump was like. So the day they win the first vote to trigger the whole Brexit process, where Britain leaves the European Union, the guy who led the fight stood up and said, you know, this is a night usually when you win, you crow about it. And he said, that's absolutely the wrong thing to do. I'm going to celebrate, but I'm going to celebrate by going home and having a quiet glass of champagne in the morning because I know how passionate everybody is about it, how much feelings are hurt on the other side, and we've got to figure out a way to work together. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, wow. When was the last time you heard that in a speech by an American politician? Yeah. Now... I'm going to complete the loop with another good story because uh, it, 20 years ago, a new guy walks through the newsroom at the Duluth Times Tribune, comes from Chicago, where God knows the politics can be contentious. Fourth day on the job, walks through the newsroom, and here's the scanner. And there are four police cars screaming down the road, going to the city council because there's a fist fight in the Duluth City Council. <laughs> so community leaders in Duluth get together and said, this is just insane. We can't do this anymore. And they got everybody in the room, and dev- and they were had some very contentious issues and worked through those, and then developed something called Speak Your Peace, P-E-A-C-E, and developed a card that every new member of the Duluth City Council and the Douglas County Board gets, and now in Superior and across the road in Wisconsin, gets a card that essentially has a pledge with Speak Your Peace. And it says, respect other people's opinions. You can disagree, but when you walk out of the room, you got to be friends. And that's the way the whole country operates and should operate. And so that's sort of the model, I think, that can be out there. I, one last funny story. I'm sort of rambling on. No, and, and the, by all means. In the first episode we did. And, and I just want to get uh, the name of your podcast out there, too, Scott, so people know where to look with it. Um, uh, so is it just the segment called Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans? No, or it's a, that's it's, the whole podcast episode. That's okay. And you can find it on Spotify. You can find it okay. on Apple. Lots of people listen on YouTube. Who had an idea that they listen on YouTube? So when this latest Kevin McCarthy stuff started, right? Um, we wrote a column to say the other Kevin McCarthy political orphan, because one of the guys we talked in our first episode about the 171 million Americans who describe themselves as centrist. I mean, it's 44 percent of the country. We we focused on Rockford and Winnebago County, Illinois, because it's a swing county, a swing, a, a, yeah, a swing county. In seven of the last eight elections, it's voted for the winning presidential candidate. The only time it didn't was in 2016 when Hillary Clinton won by 71 votes. So we talked to Kevin McCarthy about what's going on in Winnebago County. Not Kevin McCarthy, the now former Speaker of the United States, but Kevin McCarthy, who you will love this, is a radio DJ in the morning (laughs) and a member of the county board in Winnebago County, Illinois. And he just said, this isn't how we do things on the Winnebago County board. We've got Republicans and Democrats and independents. There's 18 of us. And sometimes our votes are 18 to nothing. Sometimes they're 15 to three. You know, sometimes they're 12 to eight. But afterwards, we go out for a pizza or a beer and talk about this stuff. And that what's happened is we're so captivated by the national fights, the Republican, the Democrats, the Sean Hannity, the MSNBC, that we forget on a lot of local levels, it still works that way in the country. And people have to remember that and have to keep in mind that there's a lot of other people out there who feel like they do puzzled and frustrated and bewildered by the current climate. And those are the people you're going to meet, and we're going to tell you more about the solutions. The easiest way to find it is www.lossmiddle.com. Again, on all the podcast sites you download, or if you go to our website, www.lossmiddle.com, you can actually just stream it on your computer. Sure. 
So I'm curious as to what you uh, think here is Donald Donald Trump plays a big part in this, but he's he's a symptom of what was already happening, right? Or are we seeing what's happening because of Donald Trump? Um, I think it's been building over the years. So remember, I just told you about Tammy, who's this woman in Utah who does this. So in 2010, two very unlikely characters. If you're a political junkie at all, you'll remember a guy named Lanny Davis, who was Bill Clinton's defender during the impeachment stuff. An absolute pit bull, Jewish, Democrat, um, backstreet fighter, uh, hooks up with a guy named Mark Newman, who's a evangelical in Atlanta, Georgia. Not the Mark Newman that was the former congressman that, from right, yeah. in Wisconsin. So Lanny is still a very strong-willed East Coast liberal Democrat. Mark is an evangelical Republican in Georgia. He's frustrated because of the way that um, Mitt Romney got treated by even his fellow evangelicals because Romney was a Mormon. And Lanny Davis is frustrated how Obama's been treated with the whole thing as really a U.S. citizen mm-hmm. and all that. They decide— This is just an indication of this has been going on for a while, but it just keeps simmering and boiling. In 2012, they send a civility pledge out to 435 members of the U.S. House, 100 members of the U.S. Senate, and 50 governors. And to make it idiot-proof, they actually send the pledge along in a self-addressed stamped envelope. (laughs) Now, for your listeners and you, out of 435 plus 100 plus 50, how many people signed it? And this was uh, 220. Three. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been building, but I think what Trump has done has just raised the temperature on the oven that much higher. And so it's led to more polarization. But the echo of the polarization uh, is my old career and your current career. It's the media mm. because – uh, so if you look, there's a couple of signature moments in the media we point to in, in the episode that's coming out in mid-November in LostMiddle.com. Um, a guy I used to work with in Seattle's name was Randy Douthat. And Randy was a really talented producer when I worked for the NBC affiliate in Seattle. And he lived in the same neighborhood, so every once in a while I'd bum a ride home with him. And then in um, – This would have been in the early 80s. I take a job working in TV in Washington, and Randy disappears. I I have no idea where he is. So when I get elected, one of the first messages I get uh, is from Randy Douthat. And I had to look at this message and go, Randy, God, where is this coming from? Randy Douthat is the guy who created Crossfire. So Randy wanted to be be on Crossfire. For those of you who are younger, those who remember, Crossfire was the original Mm – Pie fight on the air. As a guy we talked to on our podcast describes, Mark Sacolo, who's a professor in Maine, whose dad was actually Walter Cronkite's producer, says what, what Crossfire was is it turned it in from sort of dour, straight, meet the press to sports radio, which it really was it was. It was based strictly on the premise you wanted to get people Mad at the world because well, that's how you totally, got totally. Uh, you can you can get the sports radio feel in political talk for what the the past fifteen years. You yeah. see what they're doing there. Yep, completely. So they go down sort of that rabbit hole, and I t- I interviewed Randy, which was funny because he said, "Look, Crossfire was fierce, and it was people arguing about the First Amendment, and you not you might have not like the format, 
but they were actually arguing the facts. He said, yeah. now the problem is when you turn on MSNBC or you turn on Fox, you have no idea what's... They live in an alternate reality. I mean, it really is. And part of the... But do they? Can you really equate MSNBC? I, I, I was reading a, a snippet from uh, Paul Fanlon, Cap Times. And uh, he kind of took you because you had also spoken with him. He listened to your podcast. I, I, I think he enjoyed them. It yeah. seemed to be a, a pretty decent review. He took issue with you can't you try to assign blame on both sides. It, well, yeah. First of all, you have to start with Paul, who's a friend of mine, where he starts from, right? Yeah, so, well, he's, he's quite left. Yeah, yes. that would assume he was standing in the middle. And <laughs> yeah. he would make the argument that if you look at the election January 6th stuff, it's at a much higher level of severity than the kind of issues that get argued on MSNBC. But I, I still think the issue is uh, the media has had to, change, to essentially pick sides so they can hold on to an audience. Now, so that's the story there. On the on the television side. Now let's go to the print side. Somewhere in 1994, in a place nobody knows where, in a car model nobody's sure of, the first car got sold on Craigslist. It destroyed the newspaper industry. A third of newspaper income used to come classifieds. Now, 27-year-olds who are listening to this are going to have absolutely no idea what we're talking about. Mm. But you used to open up a newspaper on a Sunday morning and pull out the classifieds, and it was usually bigger than the regular newspaper was. It's where you found your job. It's where you bought a house. My first cars. For your first car. It's where you found a pet. So when that car got sold, and just for grins, we'll say it was, you know, 1988 Oldsmobile Cutlass. It completely changed the newspaper industry. And when they sort of came out of the shock from that, suddenly they discovered they'd given away everything free on the on the Internet. And so their subscription stuff failed. We actually talked to a guy who runs a newspaper site called Newspaper Death Watch because they close at such a fast rate. It's almost hard to keep up with. And so a newspaper disappears. Who cares? You know, at one point, people used to buy candles and they bought electric lights. Nobody cried about it. But the flow of information is crucial to a democracy and you have to have facts to make decisions and when you can't get facts and you're living in this just sort of bizarro world it's very hard to do it and back to your question about people being so disenchanted that they don't vote what you find i think is people feeling like they really can't figure out what their choices are right and so they stand there puzzled over the ballot box. And and again, I think you see, you know, 55% of the people in America today say they're willing to vote for a third party candidate. 70% of the people in the United States, when you ask them what the word is that they'd, uh, they'd use to describe politics, they can barely get a word out of their mm. mouth because they're so disgusted by it. So, but back to the media stuff, I'll tell you a good story because that's part of why you want to listen to www.lostinthemiddle.com. There were three political science professors, this is sort of the sad story first, wanted to figure out what happened in all these newspaper deserts now, because there's a lot of communities that don't even have a hometown paper anymore. Yeah, that's so sad. It's very sad. And so they did a long analysis of voting trends in places where newspapers disappeared or where newspapers had become a skeleton of their self. And what they discovered is that essentially in those communities, ticket splitting had dropped dramatically. And ticket splitting is an interesting Wisconsin phenomenon where because we're probably the leading state in the country for people splitting tickets. Mm-hmm. It happened in the last election where Ron Johnson gets reelected and Tony Evers gets reelected. Yeah. And so he says, you know, this is sort of a uniquely American thing because people can choose candidates sort of all over the ballot. 
So that was pretty disheartening. And a, a newspaper editor in Palm Springs picks up on this, and she calls the three scientists who did this, and she said, uh, and God bless her, she was a Gannett newspaper editor. Gannett now owns uh, you know, a zillion newspapers across the country and a whole tanker full of weeklies, too. And says, I want to try an experiment. Will you work with me? And so she says, for a month here in Palm Springs, what we're going to do is we're going to eliminate all national political columns and no letters to the editors that are anything except about local issues, city council, county board, even stuff going on in California. So that the researchers interviewed 1,500 of her subscribers and then find a newspaper in Ventura County, also owned by Gannett, that doesn't make this change in the editorial policy. And then Julie goes, she goes through with what she wants to do and um, sort of tracks to see what happens. And they go back 45 days later and track it. And in Palm Springs, where you lost all the national opinion page, fighting about the sort of stuff you see on MSNBC or Fox. Gender, culture wars, all that. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at what happened in Ventura. In Palm Springs, the level of polarization drops. And in Ventura County, it keeps to go ahead. Now, an interesting twist. So in the midst of this, they get done with this project. They're sort of patting themselves on the back. And Gannett announces they're laying off all their opinion editors because they can just use the national columns and drop them into their papers. So in Palm Springs, she gets so frustrated by this, she sends a challenge out to the community and says, our editor's going to take the early buyout because he has to financially. We understand that. But we'd like to hire another opinion page editor. So they essentially create a GoFundMe campaign. And they've raised enough money in Palm Springs for the last three years. They have a local opinion page editor. Good for them. Actually paid for by the community. And then, ba-boom. An even better ending to this, about a year and a half later, Gannett says, you know, all those opinion page editors who we fired, it's actually, that's the reason people keep buying local newspapers. So they decide, now Gannett has, to rehire all the local opinion page editors, because what people really care about is what's going on in their schools, what's going on with the school board, whether, you know, this stretch of the belt line is going to be closed, you know, how's uh, the Madison uh, La Follette? you know, football team going to do this season. And so that's a lesson. And so I think there's models out there for how you can return to local news and make it successful. So there's sort of a smattering of the things we touch on at www.lostinthemiddle.com. It's very interesting. Uh, Scott Klug, a former Madison uh, anchorman and uh, congressman, my guest this morning. So it's it's a two-part podcast. No, there's 14 parts. 14. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 14 parts. So, and every one of them has three or four stories wrapped in it. Got it. So, the first one was on sort of America's 71 bewildered political orphans. The second one um, was on uh, the civility issue with the woman in Utah. Yes. Third one is uh, actually looking at independent candidates running for president. And because there's a lot of talk, you know, Kennedy's now running. The group called No Labels is talking about a unity ticket with the Republican and Democrat. And then the fourth one on the media comes out the middle of November. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Scott Klug, again, my guest this morning. Thanks so much for joining me. You've been listening to Madison Forum. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.